Hello and welcome to Dream Life, Best Fit Role with me, Nikki Smith. I'm a psychologist and a career and business coach. I believe everybody can love their work and I help people to use their natural strengths to transform their work life and love their job. These podcast episodes shine a light on individuals who have created their Dream Life, Best Fit Role or business. I focus on how they've played to their natural strengths, those activities that energize and inspire them, and how they've conducted mini experiments to take the fear out of change and generate momentum. I'm wrapped to share today's call with Fred Purcell. I met Fred approximately a year ago and have had the pleasure of working with him as a career coach. And Fred has successfully made a career change in the last 12 months and transformed his work life. And I know he will inspire you as to what is possible. So welcome, Fred. I really want to share upfront about this fantastic career change that you've successfully completed. So let's set the scene here. When I met you, you are an engineer and you're working in manufacturing and you're wondering about a pathway out of manufacturing. So can you talk to us about when you were looking for this next career, what was life like for you and what were you up to during the week? So at the time, um, I'd just been offered a promotion. Um, So I'd been at Sugar Australia for nine years and had had quite a number of promotions in that time. And it was probably, and usually that was always the, Tickets got me motivated again. I think I'd have a really good year and then sort of start dropping off a little bit. And so I got this promotion and initially I thought, great, this is an excellent opportunity, another challenge that I wanted. And I, I sort of got a big kick out of having some big challenges and delivering on that. But it sort of dawned on me that I was actually going down a path that after a year or so I'd, cha- I'd challenge myself. I'd go, do I really want to do this? And I'd be looking at some other option. And so this is probably the first time where I was early on sort of said, no, I'm actually... I need to do something about this. It was half-driven also around it was sort of merging two roles and I'd done both of those roles and so it wasn't that exciting for me at that point. So I had some discussions with my managers which were relatively new. Um, I sort of previous year operating without these couple of managers there was a void there and I sort of had this more senior leadership role but in the process of recruiting then I sort of went back to a sort of more my traditional role so I felt like I was going a little bit backwards but getting a greater workload um, and I was, it was taking a little bit of my autonomy away. So I thought, well, I've got to do something. I've been looking at this for a few years, maybe an option of leaving. And I didn't have the consistency sticking at it, at looking at a different option. And I'd probably look at job ads and things like that thinking I'm capable of doing most things but didn't have the experience to really get my foot in the door for anywhere and not really knowing exactly what I wanted to do. So I had a couple of weeks off told my boss that I needed a couple of weeks just to think about this promotion. He, he knew that I was frustrated at that point and I just said I needed a, a break. So took a week off to um, Ocean Grove and at the same time, well, I think I half did it because I knew Nikki he was there, connections through my wife. And so we thought I'll just go over there for a, a long weekend and at the same time we caught up. Yeah, so that's a, such a great description. So you were frustrated in the role, considering a new promotion, um, and you talked about workload going up, potentially a bit of autonomy being taken away. And I, have I got this right, Fred? When I reflect on what I noticed, you know, with learning all about your role, is the other thing is you'd had this amazing opportunity year on year to make continuous development changes in the manufacturing plant, like you'd had so many big wins and so many opportunities to make significant changes and my sense was that you didn't feel like those opportunities were going to keep going and that's something that drives you being able to make changes is that right yeah and I think it was also that expectation that had fallen on me so I think in it was 2014 I had this really strong year where it was a big project a 70 million dollar project where I got in um, I was asked to go across there. It had been struggling. And in that year, we sort of commissioned it and it was a really successful project. In the following year, the refinery of that opera, um, same business, was struggling. They asked me to let, take over the managing role of that. And at the same time, they got rid of the person that person reported to. So I sort of had more, a more senior role in that space. And the refinery increased by about 40% in that, that year. And um, so it was on these really two really strong years where everything that I was involved with was, you know, turning to gold almost. 
And so it was coming to uh, sort of that that was plateauing out and then they offered me a, another role. But it was almost like if it didn't turn around, then that would have been a failure. And if it turned around, then it would have been, oh, yeah, that's, that's just everyone. It was just normal. And it was sort of like I was on a hiding the nothing almost. It's, yeah, so you couldn't really win, could you, actually? So you're saying you had, yeah, such a high success record that people expected that from you and with this new role, you really didn't see the same scope for that. The other thing that I love about what you said before is that you actually were carrying quite a lot of confidence. So when you were looking at job roles being advertised or looking at other roles, you had the confidence thinking, well, I can do that, but I'm not sure actually how I would get the job or what's kind of needed. So when a lot of people come to me, their confidence is usually taken a bit of a beating in the workplace. And one of the things I particularly enjoyed about working with you, Fred, is that you had a lot of confidence from right from the start looking at this process of career change but there were some of the pieces of the puzzle that were missing which is what do I actually want to do and how am I going to get there yeah that's that's definitely correct I I think in at the time at Sugar Australia the one thing that I realized was working for me was really having a go and the number of times things worked out outweighed when things didn't go right so I almost had this if you have a go at a number of things you're, you're going to end up in a positive almost um, so it was something I tried to teach with a lot of people that I mentor young engineers that worked around me just giving them the confidence to have a go and more often those individuals ended up having a far more enjoyable career but also more successful they were actually getting some starting to get some recognition for putting themselves out there and changing things rather than being very conservative and nothing changing how rewarding that sounds really rewarding for sure so Fred when you thought of doing something else did you have loads of ideas or not so many ideas I don't think I really had an idea a strong idea like I I thought I was capable of being successful in if I found something but I didn't know what I wanted to find and I didn't know how I'd be able to get there if I did find something so I would sort of troll through jobs and things like that and just look no do I think I've got the capability and I probably and does it excite me and then I wouldn't stick at that too long so I'd quickly get caught up in day-to-day other priorities you know work and personal life other things so say none pretty much on the on the none end nothing clear or significant really but it sounded like you did have a look around thinking hey there are some other options but it doesn't sound like anything was rising from the the pile of options the closest thing I'd come to if I was looking there would be end up with a manufacturing view of okay how can I get my foot in the door and be using my manufacturing experience so I was sort of almost maybe looking at a different industry but not jumping out of manufacturing. Sure yeah so that seemed like a logical next step. Was I right in thinking that you were getting some job offers or people were making suggestions but it was definitely still within manufacturing? Um, yeah so it was still within manufacturing and I got a couple of offers but it was around the same time I started catching up with you so I was already down a path so I'd probably applied before I met you but then by the time offers were being offered that I was getting them I was had my head set in trying to find a different option yeah which yeah which is really exciting I'd love to set the scene for everyone listening in when people come to me they either have loads of ideas or no idea and there are different problems with each one but it's really normal so if you're out there thinking I do want to make a career change and you don't have any idea that's normal and if you're out there thinking I want to make a career change and I have loads of ideas that's normal as well. And what Fred and I figured out in this seven-step program that I offer is that he's got this fantastic why, which he really wants to solve meaningful problems with creative solutions. So that's what drives him. And he also has these fantastic strengths, such as ideation, individualization, analytical, adaptability, and strategic, which means he's really strong on analytical and strategic thinking. He's really strong on seeing connections between ideas where other people don't. And he's also very adaptable, which means he can pivot quickly, whether it's between ideas or something that happens at work. So he's very agile in his work style. Now, when I met you, Fred, I recall you saying, don't make me network. But now I wonder if that's true. Did you say that? I don't think I would have said don't um, because I think I was barely open-minded investing in this program. I'm not going to be difficult about it. Like I'm going to go with it as far as I need to and trust you obviously in the direction you're providing. 
but I would have said I'm not keen on networking. It's something I find I'm pretty weak at, and it's not something that I'm inspired to do. Yeah. But um, I don't think I would have said don't. Don't. <laughs> That's why I actually thought I'd check in. So thanks for clarifying that. And again, I think this is really common. I think many people don't like networking, and I think what's fun is that what I shared with Fred is another way of looking at it. So once. Fred and I came up with what I call his spiel, which is really figuring out your why, what motivates you and your strengths. Then we came up with two or three sentences that he had in his back pocket that he could bring out when talking to people. And my version of networking, so when you're job seeking, um, most career coaches will tell you to focus 80% on talking to people in your network and 20% focusing on job search websites. Now, this type of networking, I like to think that really the person you're talking to, the focus is on them. So what I encouraged Fred to do was to really put together some questions and when you meet up with someone, really drive the conversation, ask them because people love talking about themselves. Honestly, they really do. So that's what we set out to do. And the first experiment for Fred to do was to connect with three people in my network that were solving an interesting problem. You know, do you remember from Fred's why he likes solving problems with creative solutions? So we wanted to discover what interesting problems there were out there in the world. So that's the first experiment I set for Fred. Can you remember what the first one or two catch-ups were like for you? Yeah, I definitely can. So the first couple I was interested, obviously, looking at international development or community development. So Nikki's friends on LinkedIn organised a time to catch up with her. But in the meantime, with this in the background, I met friend's wife at a first birthday party. She knew someone else that was working at Oxfam and I ended up catching up with her for a beer as well. So two complete strangers where – and I was very nervous about going into these sort of catch-ups, feeling I knew very little about that, that um, sector, community development, um, international development, I hadn't done anything in that space and sort of going along knowing pretty much out of my depth, not sure how I'd hold a conversation. It's one thing sort of turning up, organising it, but then feeling confident enough that you, you're not embarrassing yourself over that, that hour by asking silly questions. But it was completely opposite. It was so exciting to learn more and more about it and as Nikki said that people just want to talk about themselves share share information but the other side of things people actually generally want to share their knowledge and and help you almost think you're hassling them but it's actually quite a walk away and go oh that person enjoyed what I had to share and impressing you people like that so I mean I get a kick out of it when people ask me around what I like to do you know ask about my career and things like that it's sort of quite nice to share it so yeah i totally agree with what nikki says people want to talk about themselves and as i walked away from them i felt they enjoyed the conversations but then at the same time i was understood um a lot more about a possible career path and everything i understood about it which just ticked all the boxes of what i had in my head of and it being exciting opportunity fitting into my strengths so we'll talk um so the things i thought that i was really good at seemed to be applying to these these careers i was looking at um, so both times I walked from those two conversations, I had this extra kick bounce in my step and just couldn't wait to sort of share that in conversation with other people. It sounds like in two coffee or beer catch-ups that your view of those catch-ups really changed. Can you pinpoint the shift in your thinking? I think it's like most things where you have a preconceived idea of, or it's just not confident. Once you get involved, it's a different feeling. It could be... As an example, I'm a runner. Like you might be starting off a race, you know, a long distance run or something like that, a fun run, and you're very nervous before you start the run. As soon as the, the gun goes off and you're in the race, you're like, you're enjoying or you, you, you there's no nerves there. You're actually doing what you have to do, and you think on the run, and there's no time to sort of build things up in your head. And so I think it's just more. This is something I hadn't done. I hadn't focused on a conversation about my career with a complete stranger. And once you do that, you start realising how many people are actually prepared to, you know, they're interested in helping someone who's asking about them, asking about their path and keen to, they're keen to share their path just to help, one, to probably talk about their own career, but also just to help because they see someone who's interested, genuinely interested. Once you get involved, you take that leap, it makes its own path, I think, and it's, it's easy after that point. That's exciting. So, it's, yeah, it sounds like thinking about it wasn't much fun. But once you started doing it, meeting up with people, you actually enjoyed it and was surprised about how willing they were to help and how willing they were to share their path and their story. 
It was really interesting for me to observe how initially when you chose the first contact person, you thought that industry looks interesting, that job looks interesting. But after you spoke to her, like you said, you could see how your strengths could match the role and you were excited. You'd gone from that's interesting to I'm really excited about community or international development. So that was really fun for me to watch. So I'll never forget receiving that email from you saying how much you were loving the coffee and beer catch-ups. So you soon became a king of these. Is it worth sharing how they progress? Yeah, there's probably one where I've gone, how, I don't know, how valuable is this networking process? I was speaking to the director at Save the Children. So this is, it was a, it was a path where I, I was looking at an organisation and the next minute I find myself talking to the director there and I sort of reflect on how I got there. And it was actually six degrees of separation almost got me there. About... About three years ago, a young engineer came to me just to ask about how he could progress his career to be in a similar role as I was. He was keen not to go on shift and he was hoping he didn't have to do that. And I sort of gave him a little bit of a um, spill that, no, you didn't have to do that. You can find a career path where it still got to similar roles as myself. It didn't involve going on to shift. But at the end of the conversation, I said, look, if you ever need a conversation, you need a chat, you want a mentor, I'm happy to be here, you know, have an hour chat and so forth. I didn't think too much of it. And then, um, I know this year, I asked how how's the family, things like that. And his wife is in the community sector. And so I was aware of this and I sort of said, look, I'm actually looking at a career in this, in a sort of not-for-profit sector. I'm just wondering if his wife maybe could help introduce me to somebody and sure enough so he was quite happy we had a coffee me and his wife she actually mentioned to me how she's been a huge fan of me ever since you know three four years ago when i had offered to be a mentor she goes anything i can do for you i'm happy you're so kind things like that so it was just something i hadn't hadn't even considered that what had ended up happening she introduced me to her a connection she had that the best connection she thought would be for me and then he introduced me to a director at save the children who who was in marketing and then she introduced me to the one in, in charge of operations and programs so i sort of was speaking to the ideal person for the career path i wanted to take and it went down so there was one two three four five people that i'd sort of spoken to to get to that point and that was just from networking and i was you know that was probably that you know the point where i've gone this networking this networking path is such a great tool. Were you at all nervous to speak to the director of Save the Children Operations? Um, yeah, every time I spoke to anyone who wasn't, apart from probably the, the wife of the colleague I had, everyone who was a stranger, there's always that the nerves going in there. But um, the Save the Children one, the same thing. I, it's basically, that was a bit more like an interview. And I'd gone through at the same time a few job job offers and I'd gone right to the end of a COO role. And so I had a lot of, at that time, a lot of interview experiences as well. A bit more routine, but at the same time, it was an opportunity I wanted to take, so I sort of wanted to make sure I got it right. And with all the practice, it sort of came out really natural. It's probably the best best one-on-one conversation I had over the whole period. It was probably the last, second last one I've had. And it was oh, that one where it just went perfect. I, I sort of almost controlled the whole conversation, whereas previously it was a bit more 50, you know, 50 50. It was this one was really, I felt completely in control of the conversation, and, and it was, was not me just talking. It was a few good questions from her that asking that I felt like I answered really well every time. Yeah, fantastic. And did the director of Save the Children give you any insights or advice in terms of this career path? Well, she basically said at the time they had they're having strategic meetings at talking about the structure of the organisation, and she could see that I would really fit into the, the organisation. But there was there was at the point where they were looking strategically how the, and they, she basically said there'll be some roles that open up, and she'll forward on certain roles which she thinks perfect for myself. Yeah. So, what was it like to get this kind of positive reinforcement? Because um, how many um, coffee or beer catch-ups in are we by this point? Is it eight or nine, something like that? To get this kind of positive reinforcement, how did that help you? Yeah, I think I got a lot of that the whole way through. So, as I mentioned, the first couple of conversations, I had like this, you know, a little bounce after the conversation. I think all but about two where I was, oh, yeah, that went all right. But most of us sort of walked away with how great is that. 
that's the best conversation I've had on set sort of thing. Um, so I was always on a high, you know, maybe a couple of days later, I sort of come down from the high. So it sounds like the high would last for a couple of days, which is really important because most of us have job searched. And I commonly say that job searching sucks. It really, it really does. Uh, what I love is this strategy actually helps you to get a job, helps you to change a career path, but actually it also gives you positive reinforcement, some energy to keep going at it because it is a roller coaster. It is tough at times, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. And there was obviously you're waiting on feedback like you have a really really good interview conversation with someone and you leave really on a high but in the in the real world people got more things other things to do than obviously focus on one individual might have had a coffee catch up so it can take some time for that feedback to come and but then it feels forever obviously if you're the person who's waiting on that feedback so yeah now there was a few points where i've got that just all talk and that's it so you're talking about people offering to potentially connect you to someone or get you some information and sometimes there was a bit of a lag time between the offer and it happening. So it's worth being a bit patient. As part of the focus of the podcast is to look at the mini experiments and strengths and how they help us to generate momentum with optimising our work life. So we've covered the mini experiments which were around these coffee or beer catch-ups in your case, which I love. But also let's touch on the two other experiments which, which I view as that, which was one was the weekends away and the other one is enrolling in a master's. Can you tell us a bit more about those two? The weekend away, so I assume that as a Red R course. So, yeah, so that was probably the first person I spoke to. So the connection through a friend's wife at Oxfam, first phone call I made to her, we sort of organised a date to catch up. But she said, in the meantime, have a look at these courses, these Red R courses, have a look online, see what they're like. And so I looked at that and... And they were pretty exciting courses. So they, they're basically humanitarian courses, three or four, uh, four or five days. And so I enrolled into one of them with almost two agendas. One is to get more of an understanding of the sector I was looking at. So feeling that if I gain that extra knowledge, these conversations I've been having with as coffee catch-ups, I'd be probably a bit more prepared and I can take them a little bit further. And the second part was from a networking perspective. So if I got to one of these courses, I'd be interacting with 20-odd people in that sector and then suddenly that's a, a really easy way to network. So I basically signed up for one course. So probably the last minute got pulled, but then I just asked if there was a, another course. I knew there was another course around security, which was a week later. And I said, just can you put me in that? I asked exactly. I, said, I actually asked where are the people from that are attending the course and there was quite a number from Save the Children, Red Cross and a lot of NGOs. So I went along and those four days were unbelievable. From enjoyment, from meeting people, from challenges that was put forward to us. The course it effectively involved us being put in the middle of a forest, you know, at midnight in the middle of winter and as a group of eight and basically using the resources we've got to get back to our base. But at the same time, they put a lot of challenges in the middle of that, which included being ambushed, um, refugees coming upon us and trying to request help, so forth. So a lot of challenges around which taught you how to negotiate in these scenarios. And it was four days, pretty intensive, a few times quite sleep-deprived. And so I came away with that. Couldn't think about anything for the next week at work. It was really distracting. I wanted to tell everyone about it, but at the time I was doing all these activities in secret to work. Pretty much my whole last three, four months was in the the mini experiments I did. Um, I had to have a sort of perception that I was 100% focused at work at the time. I had some challenges with my boss in the last few months. I couldn't let him know that I was looking at leaving. But yeah, so I had a I had um, a week where the only thing in my head was this this training course that I went on and how enjoyable it was and the and the different people I met on it. So it just really inspired me to keep going down the path I was. I love hearing that, and really the focus on that mini experiment is like, yeah, exactly that. What do I like? How do I feel before, during, and after? And it just sounded like the whole experience was incredible. So it's such a positive sign that this is the right path. This is the right sector. Yeah, and I should actually add. During the course, it was worst-case scenario of security in a humanitarian work. It's like you're going to the middle of Baghdad or a city like that. It's a role-play scenario, and so I'm quite rational in the way I behave, so I'm always going through my head what would it be like, and I wasn't too intimidated by it. But towards the end, I started going, this is not the right career path for myself because I've got three kids and a wife, 
and loving family, basically, and probably the last thing I'd want to put myself through and my family through into going to those environments. But on the last day, one of the leaders gave a spill. Well, he was supposed to give a debrief about a kidnapping scenario that we'd been put through. But what he basically said is you don't have to go down that path. There's many other choices to help do development work or humanitarian work, which doesn't put you in a scenario where you've got to worry about your security or it's a high chance that you could be in a really bad position. And it was a real reflecting point for myself at that point at that stage where i'd started questioning that whether i was going down the right path and then as soon as i got that i sort of brought myself back to actually my why is where i want to be helping to build a community help develop a community i sort of got attracted by the more the adventurous side of going to any location and so it helped me steer back to the path i wanted to be which was was community development is what i started looking at but humanitarian work was right next to there and i started looking at that just from an excitement point of view but then it, it actually gave me a good grounding of which direction i should go again Absolutely. And so putting it back into the framework of what's going to work for me and my family um, at this stage of life as well. So at this point of time, I was getting pretty busy from, from the career coaching perspective. So I, I was having a lot of coffees um, for catch-ups with people. I mean, it's not just an hour. There's actually a lot of, you know, prep, you know, not prep, but, you know, it's in your head. So it's hard to concentrate. So while I might be having catch-up, it's quite distracting in far, as far as my career and my work. My work was also quite demanding at this point of time. This is where I had got the promotion. I, I basically was it was pretty much no option. They'd sort of merged my role with uh, someone in an equivalent role um, looking after the packing operation. So I ended up being a refinery and a packing manager at the same time. And there was a lot happening. There was a lot of projects happening at the same time. So work was really demanding. I was catching up with a lot of coffee catch-ups. I had a few job interviews. Again, there's a lot of preparation and putting CVs together and so forth. And I was getting flat out. I had, and I'd been on this red R course and I was trying to work out how I'm going to cope with this. The workload I had, I was doing really long, long days. So once I got home from work, I was sort of focusing on my career. And I caught up with someone from the red R program. So someone, a friend I'd made on there. And we're catch, having a coffee and I just said, look, it's almost like I need to quit now like I was just my work is it's just everything's too busy and and my focus I really wanted to make this career change happen I had two thoughts there was I think financially I would have been able to cope for another few months um so I was probably in a position where I could have sustained it and I felt confident enough I'd be able to find something within three to six months but the thing I feared was how less employable I might become if I wasn't employed it's always when you got a job it feels so much easier to get a job um, you can explain why your current role is and it looks like you're not just looking for a job for the sake of getting employed. You're looking for a job because you actually want to go down that path. So I was actually generally considering leaving, but then I felt like I wouldn't be doing anything in that time. And she suggested that I study international development, uh, Masters of International Development or something along those lines to further my career, career objectives. And that was literally on a Saturday. When she first mentioned it, it was like, that is so right like it was just i was so craving to learn more about this about international development and development and community development that as soon as she mentioned i've gone that is so that's something i really want to do i think my education i never thought i'd learn i was keen to learn from a tertiary education perspective when i studied engineering in commerce it was more to get to the employment stage whereas this was more i'm just keen to learn it by the end of um i think that night i just coincidentally i had a there was a fundraiser and our three kids were being looked after by the kinder and so it was like a a random date night and so my wife and i went out for dinner we talked about it and i think that um, about midnight i'd enrolled or applied for about three courses and by the monday i think i'd been accepted in a couple of them so i i pretty much enrolled straight away and i think the following week was my o week (laughs) so so it was really, really rushed. But I, I was a bit concerned I might have missed the time frame that I'd have to wait six months, but I sort of just got in time. And and that's been the best fun since I started off. So full time, I intended to do it. And I ended up not leaving work because it ended up being a course designed around full time work. So it had some commitments like 5.30 on a Tuesday or Wednesday and Wednesday night. And a couple of weekends, another subject was a couple of weekends. Another subject was a full week. I just took a week of leave so basically stayed in my job just because I didn't feel I could resign it still didn't justify a res- resignation I, I could still manage it in some way and fortunately just because 
it got recognised at work that there was enormous amount of change happening in one spot, one time, and so I actually got a couple of resources. They they supported me with a few resources that actually took a little bit of the pressure off at work, and so it all sort of started falling into place. It's still a lot of work, but I was I was studying. I did drop one subject and it went down to three just because I think I was learning four subjects, realised it was a bit too much and I had to drop something. One subject, I was fine. The, the lecturer was pretty shocking. It was talking about planning structures and things like that, which represented what I knew a lot. I knew a lot about that with my engineering background. But the other three subjects were so engaged with it, I didn't want to drop them and I probably should would have. I almost wanted one to be one which I didn't enjoy so I could get rid of it early but I stuck with them and and so and it was just really enjoyable just hanging out with other sort of post-grad students talking about the challenges in development the reading material and things like that I was I read everything in advance because I was just so engaged with it that I previously if you asked me to do pre-reading I would have tried to do as least as possible but this one I was trying to get as much as possible in as much information and that that one yeah, that was that's had some challenging times just before pretty much the weekends before an assignment was due or but I had I got some really good results out of it actually. Like I ended up really strong grades in all three subjects that I finished, um, pretty much did, so boy that I did. Fantastic. So when you're motivated to study something, that's how fun it is. And I'm looking forward to more study. Like I'm, I was, I'm a bit frustrated because they don't put out the reading material or what they'll just before the, the semester starts. And I'd be keen to be reading stuff right now around the courses. So this is what a motivated student sounds like. Yeah. So that's that's really exciting that it's been such a good course. Has it influenced your thinking at all around the sector? Yeah. Well, I, I feel. I guess I feel a bit of a know it all at the same time. Um, so I feel like. I've got a lot of knowledge of the challenges in the sector now. I'm craving real experience, real hands-on experience in, in that sort of sector. But I do have a different perspective of the way I see it. It's not as simple, I guess, as what a, an outsider would look at and the challenges with it. But it does, again, work to what I think I had strengths and experiences in. So it's not a matter of just coming in and solving the problem. This translates to a manufacturing environment. Like the big key takeout of that I learned in the manufacturing industry, but I see it's just as applicable in the, the development sector is the people responsible for changing the way their environment is, is the people the people that benefit from it. If they want it, it will happen and you just need, you need to coach them and encourage them and show them the direction, but you can't make it happen for them. So it's, it's sort of taking away a little bit of that, coming with this big ego and saying, this is, the, this is how you solve your problem. It takes a lot more than that. It's a lot more... And I think it works into one of the, the one of my strengths, and that's around individualization, where you sort of realise the real motivating factor behind what people's situations are and why things don't change in their situation. Yeah, so it helps that you not only have strengths in terms of analytical and strategic thinking, but because you are got that individualization one, you are interested in the unique qualities of people and you are interested in bringing out the best in them and working with them. So yeah, it's a brilliant combination for this job sector. It's great. So Fred has been crowned the king of mini experiments for 2016 and he conducted another one. So earlier on in the coaching program, he was looking to, you know, get some volunteer experience and it led him eventually to end up in Nepal. So Fred, can you tell us a bit about that experiment? He's trying to get an opportunity to do some volunteering work just to get recognised in some of these not-for-profit organisations. So that obviously helped myself sell myself a bit further with that experience. And my brother-in-law actually was doing some work with Engineers Without Borders. He was working with uh, Sudanese kids, fixing up bikes basically, recycling bikes, fixing them up so that we could then take them for probably a four-week program where we'd go out. So I went, I joined up and I was part of this program teaching them the, the basics about maintaining a bike and, and riding around Melbourne you know, safely. And at the end of the, pro- end of the four weeks, then the bikes are, are theirs. So I joined Engineers Our Borders through that program, stayed on as a member just because of the opportunities that might present itself from their work they do overseas and other development programs and one came up which was a design summit in Nepal it was basically looking to teach engineers appropriate development so not going in there just with all the answers but go in there and empathize with the community and almost help them 
support their development needs, give them ideas, but leave it with them to actually implement their ideas. So just before Christmas, I had a two-week stint over in Nepal. Well, actually, it was a three-week period, but two weeks with Engineers Without Borders where we basically lived in a community, a population of 800. They hadn't had electricity for about six months. Um, it was a really good experience for me just trying to understand development. And actually, with my university course, I actually got to see some of the things people criticise development operations about and the assumption, again, about going in there and thinking you need to solve everything. Engineers Without Borders were quite good about it, actually, that they're there teaching other people you can't just go in there and solve it and teaching them how to empathise again with that community. But then at the end of it, we presented ideas of what we thought they might like. They take it, leave it, it's their choice, and there's no nothing forced upon them, and, and they're responsible to take it further if they want. Um, and then if they need support to do that, they're happy, you know, the, the organisation's there to support it if it's required. So Nepal was a wonderful trip and I think there was that, that opportunity to see the development side, but it was actually a great experience just to see Nepal in itself. The people in Nepal were wonderful. That's brilliant. I'm so excited for you that wow, you really got to walk into an applied setting in a beautiful country and get to experience what you're learning at a much deeper level. And it sounded like such a positive experience. I wonder now, Fred, can you share with everyone what your new job is, what your current role is? Yeah, for sure. So I'm working in an organisation, it's called Career Career Trackers. So it's a not-for-profit organisation. They work with Indigenous students, uh, tertiary students, so universities, and works with them to get internships and graduate roles. So it's it's looking to provide that incentive, that motivation to see um, Indigenous indigenous students get through university. So there's been previously a big challenge to get indigenous students through to university and so the next but it's, it's getting stronger and stronger and there's a lot of programs to help do that but then this program's looking to okay now that they're there how do we get them into sort of senior role, leadership roles in large corporations so it's looking to try and make the corporate world have a, a good representation of indigenous people so my role it's still being developed a bit um so the connection secondhand to um, connection networking connection so there was a contact from sugar australia a consultant that worked with me for a period of time and we had a lot of success together she introduced me to a number of people but she introduced me to the ceo of this organization and he very keen early on to get me involved and it was a bit of a process just to try and see where i could fit in and and they have developed a role he, he sort of saw the the strength i had around a, my corporate background and my sort of methodical approach to improving processes and you can see a lot of value in doing that in an organization which is growing very rapidly fantastic and can you remember how it was that first week starting that that role uh first week was and i'm just uh, probably from my experience knowing first weeks are probably going to be the hardest one of the hardest weeks in anyone's job feeling totally useless and not knowing what to (laughs) do and and to make yourself look look useful for a short period of time while you don't know exactly what how things work. So I was, I was quite mindful of that. And that first week, I was quite lucky because I actually had, coincidentally, a, a staff strategic session for them. So I got two days where I got to meet pretty much the people I work in my office. I guess the, the first two days in particular, but the first week, the thing I walked away from that was it was a great team. So I sort of met four people that were so passionate about what they were trying to deliver. Fantastic. And uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to more update. So I just wanted to reflect if I was listening in and, and hadn't yet perhaps forged a career change or was feeling a bit intimidated by it. I think if I heard all of your mini experiments, I might be a little bit intimidated by the number and breadth and depth of them. So I just want to reiterate to everyone that with mini experiments, you start small. But I recommend there are three levels to mini experiments. So the first one is just to do an hour of something that you're interested in. The second level is to, you know, commit more like a day or weekend to pursuing whatever that is that you're considering doing. And then the third level, is committing you know some time over a year to um, pursuing that experiment or that pathway so as I said Fred honestly he has been crowned the king of mini experiments for 2016 and you can hear in his voice he he loves to learn he was passionate to find another career path and he made it happen and he had a lot of fun along the way so yeah I just want to to encourage people to start wherever you're at a lot of my clients start with a one-hour experiment so for Fred it was that first coffee 
few catch-ups. And for other clients, it might be a yoga teacher training introductory session or it might be a drawing art class or something like that, just starting with an hour. And so before we wrap up, Fred, I'd love to hear, do you think there are any barriers to your thinking or negative thoughts that you had along the way that you had to overcome to forge this career path, career change? Uh, Yeah, definitely. Um, The biggest concern I had around this career path change was income. I was in a really good position, well-rewarded position, so I wouldn't wouldn't have said I was underpaid at all. And moving to a not-for-profit sector, it was quite apparent that I would have to sacrifice quite a significant income. That kept coming across my thinking quite frequently, like, am I doing all this work? I'm in a very comfortable position, very well recognised within the organisation I'm at. I had a lot of career opportunity growth there and I was on a good income and I was sort of going to walk away from that to go to a sector that wasn't going to pay anywhere near as much and pretty much starting from zero as far as reputation and and basic knowledge of the um, the sector. That kept coming back and I don't know if we've touched on it in a conversation but I was fortunate also at the same time I had two colleagues leave Sugar Australia and they they went off to start a, a new business with NBN Connections and on the day they left, I was having a chat to them and they just said, this is going to go all right, but we need someone like you, Fred, to manage us. And that was in, at the time I was looking at a career change, knowing that my income was going to struggle. And at the time I said, look, we should catch up for a coffee in a few weeks because there's potential that I can help you out in this space. So that was actually quite a bit of luck at that point of time because I think I still would have challenged, would have been pretty concerned about the decision that I've made. Anyway, I caught up with coffee, these guys, and they recognised they wouldn't be able to afford me as a full-time person on the salary that I would have been getting at Sugar Australia and and we got to a discussion where perhaps I could be a part owner in there and it worked out perfectly so I'm now doing probably about eight to ten hours a week basically managing this business from the administration point of view contracts and things like that while they're basically in the field doing the work and it's going pretty profitably but that that has helped ease a lot of the concerns I had around the income I still sometimes go well it could have been it could be a lot easier and in the other space i do keep reflecting on i think it's a comment you said to me nikki very early in our first meeting where we do invest a lot in our health and other and holidays and things like that but we don't do anything for our career and and we spend most of our life in our career you know i keep coming back and i've probably been doing this for a few years where i go i need to make the career the you know something that i really love to do all the time if I just take away that focus from the, the money in the end, I'm fairly confident I can just have the same enjoyable lifestyle with, with less money. Although that might not be such a challenge, depends how the business goes. Yeah, so yeah, exciting to hear on all fronts. And yeah, one of the things we do in the program is to look at your dream lifestyle and to, there's a beautiful model which looks like, how can we live our life close to like a millionaire without needing to earn that amount of money? And so we really focus in on the things that are important to you and look at strategic ways of doing those things because I think it's a real shame to put our dream life off you know for a year or five years or things like that so that's part of what Fred's touching on but I know you said it was luck but I think it's also a credit to you you know one of your strengths and your whys around these creative solutions and instead of thinking I'm too busy you thought hey this could be a good opportunity and creative solutions is definitely what's needed when we're looking at income changes I've got another client who took a a four-day a week role on a salary less than ideal but she's negotiated a four-day work week so that she can actually generate income elsewhere on that fifth day because she really wants to do that role so I think touching on creative solutions in terms of how you spend your time what kind of components you have in terms of being employed or perhaps having a side business it you know is definitely a good framework at re-evaluating income where does it come from and how am I going to make this work so Fred, I remember you telling me when you were when it was announced that you were leaving Sugar Australia, you had quite a few people coming up to you. What were their reactions? The, the reactions were quite encouraging in some aspect because of the career change was so different and sort of out, not what people would expect. Obviously, going from a sort of manufacturing manager to a mentoring advisor for Indigenous students, yeah, I was expecting well, where did this come from? But actually there was a lot, and this is from senior managers and all that, and they go, yeah, that makes sense with you. And it sort of validated, I guess, my why. So they probably saw that characteristics in me in my normal job. So at one point it was like, well, they're not actually trying to counter offer or anything like that. They're not going, well, why are you doing this and trying to 
trying to convince me to stay, but I think it was because it was so vastly different and it was not something they could compete with. So there was no role similar to that in the organisation I was at. So it was sort of quite good that, okay, they aren't, I didn't want them to offer me more money. I was going, I wanted them to offer me more money, then it's a bigger sacrifice. But the, the reflection on, yeah, we see you working in that space quite well was quite rewarding for me. So I remember you saying, I'm giving myself a year to figure this out. And it was a really smart move because quite often we wait till things are feeling a bit more desperate. So quite often people come to me when they're really struggling to persist in the role. They really want to leave sooner rather than later and that puts pressure on um, figuring out the solution. The good news is that with those people, I work to help them to find a bridge job. So I work and help them to find a more positive uh, environment for them to work in whilst they're figuring out this the dream life best fit role, the ultimate role that's going to match their strengths and interests and lifestyle needs. So there's the good news there. But what I what I particularly enjoyed about working with you, Fred, is from the outset, you gave yourself a year, which is brilliant because we can, I think we underestimate what we can achieve in a year. Um, and, you know, when we reflect on all those many experiments you, you conducted and um, how many and all those coffee catch-ups, that a lot happened. And then a new role and a side business um, a lot has happened in one year. Yeah. I mean, I think it was a bit of a moving target for me. There were some periods where I just gone, I needed, I need something quickly. And I think we talked about a bridge job at one point. The challenge I had during a lot of this was from when I got off the promotion, I sort of, you know, let it known at that point that I wasn't comfortable with the role and I wasn't motivated going down this path. And then that, that was starting to be used against me whenever performances weren't great. And I tried to work on it. Like I was generally keen to have success in my job I wouldn't do anything deliberately but I was finding it really hard to be motivated knowing that I was going down this other path and and at some points when things weren't going well I felt the pressure of I was being watched a lot closer and I, I sort of I wouldn't be happy with my last six months I almost wish I had I wish I'd left early I feel like it would have been a nicer way to leave with a lot more success rather than a year where I felt like I just ticked the boxes but didn't deliver anything Sure. And looking back, you know, one of your worries was if I am going for jobs that I'm not employed, that that'll be interpreted differently or you won't come from as as strong a base of confidence. So you're reflecting to us that part of you wishes you left more on a high, you know, when you felt like you're really the top performer rather than ticking boxes. Reflecting on that, what would have happened if you'd left a bit earlier without employment? I think I've made the right decision without a doubt I sort of wanted to leave the organisation saying this is where my career path's going and and sort of demonstrating that I don't have regret the way I did it if it happened quicker it would have been nicer (laughs) yeah for sure I think the only thing I want to touch on there is you know, I've conducted 2,000 job interviews plus for me if a gap in employment can be explained then I'd I don't judge it. The, the advice I do give is, for example, if a job becomes untenable and you've got enough money, you've got a buffer, then I do suggest that you, you quit and reserve your sanity and that as long as you explain the gap in employment, you know, there's usually some reason you can give. Often it's around a restructure or end of a project or something like that where maybe your motivation changed and that's okay. It's all right. I mean, I think at the time, there was also a bit of pressure financially. It's how long does that gap last? The selections you choose might be, become limited. You might feel more pressured to take something that's not ideal. That's very true. So to people listening in who are considering making a change, what's your best piece of advice or an invitation to a little challenge for them? The biggest thing I would try and pass on is don't hesitate too long. You can spend a lot of time planning or to try and make it perfect. But then just to, if you think it's right, just go for it. You know, if I have a regret, I wish I'd gone down this path five years ago. I wish I'd invested five years ago in, in looking at my career a lot stronger than what I did. But having said that, I, I don't regret the five years I had at Sugar Australia. They were probably two, two of the years were the best career years I've ever had. Yeah. So you're saying take action, just start, carve out some time to look at your career and to reflect on what's possible. Fred, thanks so much for sharing so many things about your career path journey over the last year. As we wrap up, I'd love to invite you to share perhaps your top hint or piece of advice to people listening in. Probably the strongest advice I have, and and this doesn't necessarily mean about career changes, it's, it's almost about whatever activity you're doing, but if you're looking at career change, then it's very much applicable. It's about 
taking the actions and moving forward, not getting bogged down at the same point consistently. You know, it's probably just from my career, some of the success I had while I was at Sugar Australia, but then particularly last year with my career changes, options were being presented to me and I could have sat on them for quite a while and probably not eventuated into anything. And I was pretty much grabbing most things and some won't come off, but there'll be a lesson and you'll learn from it. And then the next time you do something similar, you'll be in a better position to be able to do it again. But then many will come off and then it'll open up another opportunity for you. So whether it's in your current career or changing careers or whatever, I think just taking the opportunities and not getting stuck on too much hesitation on them. Fantastic. It's a great piece of advice. So we need to think less and do more. It is fascinating how we can really sabotage ourselves with overthinking things or sitting on them. Um, a great piece of advice. And as a prime example, that was like the mini experiment coffee things. I could think about it a lot and not do it or I could just do it. And just doing it gave me a far better result than thinking about it. Am I right in thinking about investing with career coaching? You, there was some accountability. We were going to meet and talk about what had happened, what was next, what was going to be the next mini experiment. And my sense was that it gave you a bit of accountability and a bit of momentum. If I was going to sell your program, Nikki, I do. <laughs> when I do sell it, it's actually that. It, it is It is actually about the accountability bit. And the coach part of your description is so appropriate. I honestly felt like every fortnight would catch up and over that two weeks, I felt like I had to deliver something. Even if I was preoccupied with other priorities, I found that time because I felt accountable to this program. So rather than being a two-week whim where I looked at something sustained for six months and actually, because I kept delivering every couple of weeks, it ended up snowballing to some massive year. Yeah, so true. And I think the lesson that I want to share with everyone is that you don't have to do this by yourself. For people out there who are like Fred, who would be happy doing a number of different things because from his why and his strengths, especially his why, it's quite broad, you know, solving a meaningful problem with creating creative solutions. When you're a multi-passionate or when you've got a broad why like that, you could be happy doing a number of different things. And that's why it's difficult to do it on your own. So there are options and career coaching is definitely one of them. Fred, thanks so much for sharing so much about 2016 with us. And I can't wait to hear more about career trackers as the year progresses. And I'm looking forward to seeing some photos from Nepal as well. So thanks again, Fred. Thank you, Nikki. It's been a very much pleasure. And thank you very much for the definitely the support that I've had to get over the last year in particular. It's been wonderful. So thank you very much. You're welcome. An absolute pleasure. Uh, that's it for our episode today. Thanks for listening and we'll speak soon.